Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Good morning, y'all. It is so good to be here with you. The house is feeling so much more full. I feel like we're returning to life as a family. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I know there's new faces too, so welcome. So glad to be here and to to share God's message with you this morning. Um, Thank you so very much. That's perfect. Yes. So we're going to do things a little different this morning. Instead of having a separate message for the age groups, it's going to be all in one because what we're talking about today applies to all of us. And there's also the best part for the kids will be there's a little video that we're going to do in there too. So that will hold their attention a little bit more. Um, Maybe make you a little hungry. Sorry about that. (laughs) But I'm I'm glad to be here this morning. So um, I always like to share because I feel like as we're all growing together in our faith and our ability to listen to God and to discern his spirit and to walk in obedience, I like to share the journey of how the sermon comes to be. And so before I start the sermon, I want to tell you a little bit about that part and then we'll move on. So when we first started prepping for this series, one of the questions that was raised, because we're in the You Asked For It series, um, one of the questions that was raised for today's message was a believer's role in social justice. I know that all of you felt that in your soul just now as I said it. So fully knowing that and knowing the broadness of this subject and how many different ways it could go and knowing that it would be really easy for me to get on a rabbit trail (laughs) with this message. Um, I'm sticking very closely to what God has revealed this week. And so the first thing that he brought to me was this word complacency. And I know that parents have, you know, that word, um, a little better understanding of that word. But for the young ones in the room, complacency means seeing something that you know you ought to do and not doing it or ignoring it. That's kind of a broad way to explain it, but that'll work for today. So complacency, like, oh man, I really should pick that up off the floor, but I'm just going to walk past it and pretend I didn't see it. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, good. So that was the first word that he gave me, and for several weeks I processed, okay, God, what do you want to do with the word complacency as it relates to a believer's role in social justice? And so we processed that, and we spent time talking about that, and then last minute he gave me a different word. And I was reading through Micah 6.8, and the word that he brought out is do. And at first, that's all he said. He just said, do. I'm like, okay, do. And so we had the conversation, God, why are are you bringing out do? Well, I want you to read the verse again. Where is do? And specifically in that verse, and we'll get to that in a minute, it says, do 
justice. So the reason that he has do pulled out for us today is because do is what kind of word? Students, children, do you know what kind of word do is? A verb. Yes, absolutely. Good job. So what does a verb mean? It means it's an action. We have to do something, right? Yes, we can't just read about it. We can't just think about it. We can't just agree with it. We have to do it. So today's message is simply entitled, Do. Thanks, God. So um, it's week five of the sermon series, Do, A Believer's Role in Social Justice. So let me get out my notes here, and we'll get started. So... What does the Bible have to say about social justice and how God feels about social justice? Now, when I pulled it up, there was page after page after page of verses that have to do with what God has to say about social justice. And this is just like maybe a maybe a tenth of the verses that I started reading through in the stories and the passages I started reading through. It was just a sample. And I know it's probably hard to read, but it's simply there for the point of there's a lot. You cannot turn through a passage of scripture without feeling God's heart for social justice. It is all over the book from beginning to end. So those are some examples up there. You're welcome to take your phone and snap a picture if that's something you're interested in. Um, or I can also email a list to you if you'd like to look further into it. Um, so we'll get going on that. One thing about the verses, though, um, it is very important when reading Scripture that we don't take it verse by verse without also understanding the wider context. And what I mean by that is each one of these, though it's um, a verse, maybe a couple of verses, it's important to read that section of the Bible and understand what was going on and how that verse is relevant. So understand the whole breadth of the story and not just using the verse to affirm what we're thinking, if that makes sense. So, but when you read it, it's easy to really feel like God gets kind of frustrated about it. Um, and so if you think about it kind of as a parent thinking, why can't these kids just be nice to one another? <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> and so it's easy to like, feel when, when God's talking about his heart for social justice. It's easy to understand it in that context. Like, why can't my children, why can't these humans just be kind to one another? And that really is God's heart for justice. So let's first inquire about what social justice is and why it is so important to God. So we'll go ahead and take a look at this video. <laughs> On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. 
it shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yep, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free. But he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. 
The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Little. They do an excellent job in communicating in that video. And I did shorten it a bit. The full length is actually on our Facebook page from a post previous. Um, we might renew it for you so you can look for it. Um, but you kids and bridge and youth, I have something for you. Yeah. So the next slide that comes up, I want you to read it on the screen for you as I read it aloud, okay? Can you do that? Okay, go ahead and read, the, read it for yourself, and I'll read it aloud, okay? Okay, Micah 6, 8. And he has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So in our house, kids and students, we have this rule, and it's simply called kindness required. So sometimes we do get frustrated. It's a natural part of our feelings that God gave us. But one thing that we always have to remember is kindness is required. That's what God asks for us. And to do justice, that's a funny thing. So when I say do justice, it's not always easy. Like if you see somebody that's getting bullied on the playground, it's not easy to do the right thing, is it? Especially if it's your friend that is in the wrong like, telling on your friend would be so hard. But doing justice, making, doing the right thing and righting a wrong isn't easy. But God calls us to it anyway. And when we make the right choice and we help out the other person, God is so proud of us. But it's not easy. So the thing I want you to remember is as we do justice, we also need to pray for God to help us with that so that we have the courage to do it. All right? All right. I hope the munchkins learned something today about social justice. Otherwise, you can see Abby. She can tell you all about it. Right, Abigail? Okay. All right. So before we keep going, I'd like to take a moment and pause and pray, and then we'll move into a little bit more of the adult stuff. So, Dear Heavenly Father, I take this time to pause. Even more in a moment where we know that the topic for today, the message that you have for your people, strikes our hearts and tugs at our souls and brings up emotion in all of us, Lord, especially for the breath of unison. 
We want to live in obedience to you, Lord. And with topics like this, God, it is, it is hard when it's so broad and there's expectation. Help me be diligent in discerning your spirit and giving the word that you have for your family today, God. I know that you've been working ahead of time. I pray that you prepare hearts to be open to receive what it is that you have to share this morning, Lord. I trust you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we'll leave that one up there. I have the word do highlighted, and we talked a little bit about that. But do is a verb that requires action. And so that's where the focus of today's message is going to be. Micah 6, 8, do justice. Because justice is an action, and justice cannot happen if we're sitting on the sidelines. It doesn't happen from warm fuzzies as much as we would like it to. And I know for, for many, it's, it can be difficult. And they are, there, there are real stumbling blocks. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what first steps to take. These are real feelings that we have. But in order to do justice, it requires sometimes that we maybe do a little bit of homework. Sometimes look into what is it that we can do. We'll touch a couple of things today, um, but there's many awesome resources. We have a lot of books also. So if it's something that you want to dive more into, by all means, please reach out. I would love to share books with you and anything else that we can. Um, but justice doesn't happen without action. Restorative justice requires action. And this verse today is what we'll focus on. It kind of reminds me a little bit, if you think about do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God, it kind of reminds me a little bit about Jesus' um, two favorite commands, the two greatest commands that he talks about in the New Testament, to love God and love your neighbor. Well, how exactly do you love your neighbor? By doing justness and loving kindness. And if you follow that, it is so much easier to live out the calling of loving one's neighbor. So I'll just keep those in mind. The next slide that we have up, I want to do a little bit of um, time talking about culture. And this is kind of a weird picture. I'll describe it for you. Um, it has a little tag at the bottom, but culture in general. Um, this picture is a picture of what they used to use or representation of what they used to use for weights and measures. And that simply is a fancy ancient term that talks about um, deciding fair compensation for goods, payment, goods. They use these weights, and if you've ever seen the two-sided weight measure um, that they use in the word, you know, in justice and in your um, courtrooms and things, that's actually what they use. They use scales like that, and they would put these weights on either side, and that's how they would determine if the pay compensating for the goods was correct. That was their way of finding, finding what was right and what was good. But oftentimes what would happen is things would be, you know, altered just a little bit, right? Because we as humans, even though we do have love in our hearts sometimes our selfishness comes out and we find ways to cheat the system or get more from our neighbor 
than we should. And that's exactly what was happening a lot in these culture. And if you read through a lot of those scriptures that I placed on the screen earlier, um, you'll understand and you'll see that that was happening quite frequently. There was people within the community that would either alter the weight or they might add dirt or something called chaff, which is the part of wheat that you throw away, but they would add it into the grain that they were selling in order to make more of a profit. Another one was the, the wealth issue when it had to do with justice. Back in Deuteronomy, they talk about how what God requires was that fair judgment in court systems by the judges didn't show partiality at all. It was a fair judgment. It didn't matter who you were, where you came from, what your money was, who your neighbor was. They were to judge fairly without influence of bribe. But what was happening is there was this influx of paying off the judge, which resulted in entire families being purchased by the one that won the case. Their field, their family, it was this complete gap that was being made. And so where it once was this big family, Abraham's family, this, the family of Israel, suddenly it made this upper class and this lower class. And we had things like poverty and greed and wealth. Because we didn't follow what God asked us to do. Also in the culture was this, um, this expected hospitality, which is something new that I learned, but expected hospitality. If someone came into town, often there wasn't a hotel, right? And so the custom was that people would come in and they would often sit by the well or some central place and wait for someone in the community to offer them a home for the night. That was, that was required of the community. And if you didn't do that, you had shame in the community for not helping that stranger and giving them a place to stay. And so that was an interesting part of their, um, of their culture and their expectation. But also, again, we're required to help this foreigner in this way, but then the next way we go over here and we cheat our neighbor. So we're having a real hard time sticking to what God asked us to do. And social, social injustice was happening all over the place. So on the next slide, we have, woe to you who are complacent in Zion. And that's the NIV version. Or the Pastor Christina version. I've had enough of these excuses. Don't turn a blind eye. And literally, if you actually read the context in the breadth of the book of Amos, it's short, so I encourage you to do so. It's kind of complicated, but I encourage you to do so. You will see that he gets downright angry. God gets downright angry about the injustice that's happening and how human beings are treating one another. Again, why can't my kids just be nice to each other? And he gets angry, this righteous anger, as we should also. So... We're going to read a little bit of part of Amos, and I didn't want to put it on the slides where it was so tiny you couldn't read it, so I'll read it for you. So in 15, verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, it says, hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps 
The Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. And therefore, this is what the Lord, the God Almighty, says. There will be wailing in the streets and cries of anguish in every public square. The farmers will be summoned to weep, and the mourners will wail. There will be wailing in all of the vineyards, and I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. And we're going to jump down to verse 21 for present company, age appropriateness here. Um, in 21, it says, I hate and despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Let justice roll like a river, righteous and never failing stream. So to bring you some of that context that I was talking about, we didn't read the whole book of Amos, just this little passage. But what is happening, one of the things that was happening and why I brought out this one specifically saying, you're coming to church, but I don't even want to hear you. What was happening is in their custom, if you borrowed something from somebody, then until you returned it, you would lend them, you would give them your tunic, which is a fancy word for your shirt. You know, I mean, you weren't fully naked, but you would hand them your tunic. And that was a symbol promising that you would repay the debt. But if we go to Deuteronomy where the law is actually written, it says that they are supposed, the lender is supposed to return the tunic to the one that gave, to, to that borrowed things before sundown because often it was their only clothing and it was cold at night. So they weren't expected to freeze just because they had a debt you were required to give them back their clothes so that they wouldn't be cold at night. And in that culture, in the area that they were, that geographic region, it was somewhere between 50 and 73 degrees year-round. That was their, their little flux. So if you imagine sleeping with no clothes, it may be a little chilly. But what was happening is they would, the lenders, were wearing these people's clothes, walking into the synagogue for evening service, and flaunting the fact that they had all these people who owed them money, instead of returning the tunics in the proper way that God asked them to. So this section, this 21 through 24, where it says, I despise your religious festivals. You bring me offerings, and I will not accept them. Your songs are noise to me. He didn't want to hear what they had to say because they're walking in here covered with sin and flaunting their sin in the way that they're treating, mistreating their, others in their community. They had no regard for social justice. I'll put this one away. So, God calls them out. It kind of makes you cringe a little bit, doesn't it? If we walked in to church and we knew that someone was abusing another and they were almost making a joke out of it, it almost makes you cringe. 
Well, God, as our father, saw this, and it made him cringe also. So moving in, we're going to talk about some fruit for a second. We have this nice little fruit bowl. Kids, do I got your attention? I bet you're wondering why there's this fruit bowl up here, right? Yeah. Well, most of these, if you look at them, they look pretty good, right? In fact, you're probably hungry, I assume, right? So they look pretty good. But what about this guy? Yeah, that doesn't look very good. What's up, Josh? Yeah, rotten, spoiled, precisely. If you could bring up the next slide for me there. So if we saw something spoiled in a bowl of fruit, would we remove it? And why? Any of the kids out there know why we would take a spoiled piece out of the bowl of fruit? Do you know why? What happens if we leave it there? Yeah. This is true. So also what happens if we leave spoiled fruit in the midst of good fruit? Yes, exactly. It contaminates all of it. It influences the rest of it. Yes? So complacency, kids, here's complacency. Yeah. I really should move it, but it's kind of gross. I don't know what to do with it. Right, Nathan? It's kind of gross. You know where to put it? Would you please? You have just saved the fruit bowl from being spoiled. <laughs> so, the spoiled fruit would then cause the other fruit to also spoil. And the same is true of our community. We are complacent to seek out and speak out for social justice. If we are complacent with it, then we are content with allowing the rest of it to rot, to spoil, to become poison. What God intended for a loving community, a beautiful bowl of fruit, a loving community, we cannot sit here in our complacency when God requires us to do justice. Complacency leads to an entire bowl of rotten fruit. So we still struggle with social justice today on the next slide there. But we can do something. Do justice means we are called to action. Equality for marginalized people fair court systems where justice is not impeded by the wealth of one over another who can buy the fanciest lawyer. That should never be a factor in justice. But we can do something about that. Common decency shown to immigrants in our nation. If you're interested in a story, I'll tell you later about children. Valuing the lives of minorities 
advocating for those who have no voice, valuing women in positions of leadership and authority. We have a long way to go, folks. And the only way to get there is if we do justice. We have to do it. We have to be intentional to elect leaders to positions of authority and influence. Leaders in the politics and judicial and civil, CEOs of companies, school boards, etc. We have to be intentional about who we're placing there. If we say that we value diversity and unity, we have to put our money where our mouth is and put people there that reflect it. We can't just expect it to happen and pray that it's going to happen. Yes, we pray, but we are called to do something. And that is intentionally putting people in positions that reflect our values, that reflect our diversity, that reflect our unity. It doesn't happen without action. We can also be intentional about those that we invite into our home, those that we call our friends. One thing that I, I really tried not to include, but I was told to include, it is really easy to invite the pastor's family over to your home. It is really hard to invite the widow lady next door that lives alone with her cats. What is, about, what is it about that that is so hard for us? Because our human nature, if we see that we could possibly benefit from something, it's easier for us to make that step. But if that step requires a sacrifice from us with possibly no benefit, it's a little harder to do, isn't it? But we are called to do justice, to uphold the rights of those who can't speak for themselves, to be there for the widows and the orphans, for those who are in prison, for those that can't speak. That's our job. We are called to do justice. It requires action and it requires sacrifice. So I know it's hot. We'll come to our last slide here. Reflection and action. Do requires action. See, it's one thing to hear truth. It is one thing to understand truth. It's one thing to agree with truth. But it's a whole nother to do truth. Amen. It's a verb. It's an action. And it requires our attention. Hearing it, knowing it, believing it is only step one, folks. God calls us to do justice, to do it. So how do we do that? What are we going to do today? A heart check. Where have we been complacent? Obviously, rhetorical question. But sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes it's just something that we just haven't put our intentional focus on. Where have we been complacent in our role to do justice? Restorative justice takes action. Where might you get involved to uplift the orphan, to feed the hungry, to take up the case of the oppressed, 
to speak out when injustice happens. There's all sorts of ways. And I know, trust me, I understand that we have become a little bit afraid of being near people. I get that. I'm praying for that. I understand. So it's a little harder to say, go serve in a shelter. Go help feed the hungry. I know. It means we have to be near people. I get it. I do. But if God asks us to take that step, we have to trust him in it. It requires trust. Where is he calling us to move and do justice? And the last thing I have on here is pray. We say that word so often, we take it so lightly. But if you seek him with all of your heart, he will be found by you. He will listen to you. We have the benefit of this beautiful community of believers. And our voice together is so powerful when we are united on a cause. I'm living proof of that. Repent. Repent is a hard word. I'll define it for you because we do have so many age groups in here. Repent is the easy way to say it. I'm sorry and actually mean it in here. I'm sorry for when I have failed to remove the rotten fruit. I'm sorry when I have failed to speak up for my friend who was getting bullied or speak up when my friend was doing the bullying because that's hard. I'm sorry when I have seen something unequal in the workplace, mistreatment that shouldn't be, and I failed to speak out. I'm sorry, God. And lament. Lament's a pretty word, too. Weep. Cry. Hurt. We are called to sit with those who mourn and mourn with them. We are called to sit and cry over the injustice within our community. That's actually a calling that we are asked to do. Cry on behalf of injustice. Pray for restorative justice. Repent for our part in it or lack of our part in it. And ask the Holy Spirit to give us the courage to do. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you for your intentional focus on how we are called as believers to have a role in restorative justice, God. You call us to do something. That is how you change the world, God. Not only by miraculous events that you put in place, God, but you also inspire us and you train us and you give us the words and the courage that we need to move forward, God. You give us the wisdom. We fully trust that if we are in obedience with you, God, you will encourage us to take that next step. The ones that are so hard and so crucial to remove the rotten fruit, to intentionally put in the good, God. We trust you for our role in restorative justice. We pray that you give us the courage 
to be with you, the wisdom to know when to speak and where to ask questions, God. But ultimately, each time that we read through the Bible and we see the breadth of how you feel on social justice, God, in each and every verse, and we see the words, do justice, Remind us, God. Convict us each and every time, year after year, when we see those words, God. Convict us and ask us how we're doing. Ask us, remind us where we have done well. Help us to see where we could do better. Encourage us with your wisdom, with your supernatural ability, and with your heart for the oppressed within our society, God. Give us a heart that requires our society to equally do justice and to be willing to stand in that gap to restore. We love you, Jesus. We give you the rest of this day. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, Please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.